This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, we have a packed house with you today. Nate Buchanan with you as always. Look at this. We've got Colin McCourt, Ali Trost, and Benny Failhaber. I don't know if you guys know this, Gold Cup winner, Benny Failhaber, uh, in studio with us today. We have a lot to talk about, and Benny's going to spend a decent amount of the show with us today. So we'll start off there. Benny, what's up, man? How are you? I'm just happy to be here with my friend, you three as well. But <laughs> yeah, you forgot to introduce maybe the most important Yeah, let me see if I can get a camera shot of the thing. You can barely see. Okay, there, if you look over Connell's shoulder right here, I'm pointing at it right there. Uh, if you're watching us, by the way, thank you for everybody that's listening on Sports Radio 810 or anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify and iTunes and all that. But also, if you're watching us on uh, the Sports Radio 810 Facebook page or, or YouTube page, you can see, what is that? Describe what that is for me uh, there, Ali Trost. Well, it's just, it's the beautiful Gold Cup, which apparently looks a bit different than when manager Peter Vermees won this thing back in 91. So we've got a, oh, there it is. Yeah, beautiful shot, Nate. Yeah, you're probably not going to put it down on the right Kurt's spot. Kurt's just going to have to spend all night polishing it back yeah. up, but I think it, we're... By the way, it looks completely different than when I got to know that trophy in 2007 as well. So it's, I think so it's, it's sleeker. It's So it's on, it appears then that it's undergone some... Transformation. Yeah. It looks like it had a, like a diet or something, because I remember <laughs> it being like super thick and heavy. And I remember a picture where I'm holding it on my head in 2007, and it's like, I mean, it is the biggest cup I've you've ever seen. So it's a little sleeker, it's still big, but... I don't know. It's I think it's lost a few pounds. I mean, it's 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 a pretty sturdy trophy there. Um, we do. We have the Gold Cup here in the building, and um, we're going to talk about that because obviously the United States men's national team is going to be playing three Gold Cup matches. All of their group stage games will be right here at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Benny. We're going to talk about the Sporting Kansas City team. He's a part of the technical staff. Uh, boy, I saw the I saw the title too, and I have to admit, Benny, I forgot. Director of Technical Operations is that? Did I get that right? That's correct. Okay, so uh, we'll talk about what Benny's role's been with the team so far this year. We'll talk about the way things have gone for the season. Two matches to preview for this week as well: a game against the Rapids on Wednesday night at home, and then against LAFC. One another one of Benny's former t- two of Benny's former teams. Both. Holy cow! <laughs> We get uh, we we get uh, we get to hear the inside scoop on all these guys from Benny Failhaber while we're here as well. So uh, so a great show coming up. Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you guys this right now. I don't know how much Benny is okay with talking about this, but but uh, Friday night was a massive two nil victory for Hot Guys United in the Overland Park Over Thirty League, uh, captained by one Benny Failhaber. Uh, I was a captain. I don't know. I felt yeah. like it, like de facto captain. You were definitely pulling the strings. Uh, he was named in the captain field. after the match. Yeah, so he was he was calling the shots, uh, placing me uh, strategically on the field. I, I thought, really, what did you think of the number six in that game? I mean, okay. heck of a performance, right? I- I'll say that Nate 
had one of his better performances on, on the day, although he showed up 20 minutes late as usual. So <laughs> he just he comes and goes as he pleases. This is a. This I also is a tr- didn't know you played the six. Is this like, okay, Busio's playing the six a lot this season, and that's no. your new favorite, yes, so you got to like drop back a little bit further down the field? <laughs> that might have something to do with it. You know, it's it's really what it boils down to is we tried in the uh, in the in the spring session to play me at right back. Um, and it turns out that fast guys play on the wing in this league and ran me into the ground. And at 45 years old, I am now at the age where even the guys in their mid thirties are like 10 years younger than me. And I just, I don't have to run quite as fast at the six. I had to run a lot, but not as fast. And so it works, but, uh, I did show up 20 minutes late. And that was because we have an English guy named Max on our team who was at a bar drinking and watching the England national team game in the Euros. And I had to go pick him up at a bar because we were short numbers, and I went to the wrong bar. How far How far <laughs> I've fallen in a year and a half. I went from playing professional to, to the guy that's been coming out of the bar 30 minutes prior. You guys had to Max hold the kept saying he and was his drunk. Driver, yeah. And his driver couldn't even figure out where to pick him up. So to, what to bar were you coming to from? To Max's credit, he did not drink and drive. He said, somebody come yeah. pick me up, and I will be there. He played drunk. I don't know yeah, what the— He played and—what is it? Drank and played. He drank and played. Yeah. yeah. How many Michelob Ultras do you think? I don't know. Too many. <laughs> Too many. But and he only fell down once or twice during the game. Uh, but we we got the win. I'll also point out that Benny could have scored five goals in the first half. But it was like when uh, you're playing with your kid brother, and he dribbled like five guys and then tried to pass it to one of our teammates just to let them score. And I don't know how many golden opportunities we missed during the course of the game. I hope what the guys the are listening. What was the expected goals? Yeah. 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 Expected expect- goals were through the roof. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if you take talent and skill into consideration. Expected goals would drop yeah. a little bit. But that's that, Honestly, that is one of my problems with expected goals. I don't think they do enough to factor in, like, who's the person expected <laughs> yeah. to score the goal here. At one point, honestly, guys, at one point, this phrase was, was uttered. Are you left-footed? Would you prefer it on your left foot? And the, and the guy on our team was like, no, I'm right-footed. <laughs> That's just how I finish. And so finally, it was still like nil-nil at the end of the first half. And finally, Benny was like, screw this. I'm going to at least score one goal so that the team can win. And then we went on our way. And we, and we you know, but we closed it out, didn't we? We did. We did. Yeah, we, we, so. played, we played well other than finishing our chances. I mean, you get a shutout. <laughs> That's got to be the defensive midfielder, right? Right, the six. Setting the tone, right? Bukati had his moments for sure. <laughs> I'm actually stunned that Benny's not just using this opportunity to completely drag my lack of soccer ability through the mud. I appreciate you taking it easy on me right now. Uh, But I will say this, too, for all the rest of us old guys, super geek out opportunity to get to play to play with somebody like Benny and and see how he sees the game and all that stuff. So uh, so it's pretty cool. All right. Let's get into the real soccer, though. Uh, Enough of the over 30 league (laughs) breakdown here. that's the thing. Like, we geek out about it because I, I told some of the guys after we I'm like, you know, I don't care. Benny freaking Phil Haber. I, I saw this guy score a goal in 2007 against Mexico that's like an all-timer in U.S. national team history. Any fan of the national team remembers that goal. And uh, they, I was texting you. They played a highlight of that during the Nations League final when they were hyping up the USA-Mexico game. How often does, like, how often does that, that goal come up in your life? I think usually when USA Mexico are playing, you, you kind of yeah. you either hear something over the broadcast or you talk about it. Gold Cup, obviously, I think those moments kind of come up. But um, yeah, I think everybody's other than the extraordinary players, right? That have so many big moments. You, you're lucky to have maybe one big moment in your career, and so I think that that was definitely the biggest for me. And so people, I think, 
think about that moment. And so when they see me, it's like, oh, you know, I was, I saw you in 2007. And, and it's funny, uh, I work with the academy coaches over the last like two, three months. And Luis Pacheco, who's the U13s coach, he's a big Mexican fan. And so he tells me he was actually at the stadium. Wow. And that he still hates me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it comes hey. up, it comes up ever so often in, yeah. in these conversations. And, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's good. Um, to be kind of known for one moment, it's kind of bad as well, but you, you learn to live with it. So, oh, no, go ahead. So full disclosure, I, I didn't see this goal until today, uh, or no, until this week. This week, because just when I've seen it, it, it was running. Wasn't big in Belfast at the well, time? Uh, yes, men's <laughs> national team wasn't really on my radar <laughs> in 2007. That's apologies. But that would, the way it comes down from how far that falls, I know just personally, obviously you have had much more, but... You're lucky if you catch one of those as sweet as that ever in right. your life. So that was coming all the way down. You just laced it right, right through. Have you ever caught any as sweet as that strike? Do yeah, you I mean, remember in, in, in trainings you'll hit them sometimes, right? But not, not in a game. Um, I mean, in terms of the pure connection with the ball, I feel like I've had moments like that. I think that's one of the the thing. It, I would say that things need to work out perfectly for that moment to happen, but I. That technique is actually something that I, I have okay. You know, it's it's something that but to keep it I've had. Too, no, I know, like, but I mean, but I've that. had. I mean, in in, in sporting, I've yeah, had, I've seen I've score had like goals, that. Yeah, not the same at the same you know kind of level at a final mm -hmm. international level, but I've hit goals like that, and so I I, I think that I've 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 trained that. You know, I've practiced right. it. But again, you you just got to get yourself prepared, and then when the opportunity is there, you you, you got to get a little bit of lucky as well, and just so happened that, you know, in the final against Mexico, against our biggest rival, that, that was the biggest goal of my career. And you were going into that game underdogs too, right? They oh, yeah, we were. And, and we were, in, in terms of, you know, we were home in Chicago. It was 90-10 minimum Mexican fans to American oh, fans. Oh, wow, really? So yeah. really we were in Mexico City. And, and I mean, the, 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 that was the crowd was, you know, silenced. Oh, wow, at, yeah. at that. It was, it was as if we were playing away. So it was, um, yeah, it was a special moment. So how long does it take for that kind of moment to like really sink in? Like how long after were you like, oh wow, that actually happened? Because I feel like that's just one of those career, you just called it the biggest of yours. I right. mean, like when does that finally sink in? I think it's in stages. So I remember right after the game, my phone, I've never gotten so many text messages in my life. And so I was like, you know, what is happening here? And then I remember maybe five, six hours later, I was celebrating with my parents having dinner. And I was thinking back, I was like, against Mexico and I scored this goal and I've been a professional for two years at this point I'm not you know I, I'm I'm just coming into my career and so you know that's another stage and then obviously you, you start playing your career and you kind of look back at your international career once that's done and then obviously when your entire career is over and you look back and you and you think back to you know the big moments in your career and you know when I wrote my retirement letter you kind of go through that and, and I mean by then it's obviously sunk in but still now you can kind of process everything you've done and put it, you know, put that Gold Cup goal in probably a level of its own. Yeah, I mean, you, you, and once again, we're visiting with Benny Failhaber. We have the Gold Cup here. It's going to be played for this summer. We'll get into the context of what this one means and the current state of, of the national team in a second. But you scored some golosos in, in your career just with sport in Kansas City as well. So, like you said, it's it's not necessarily the fact that you scored it. It's just the moment that it was. 
Can you take us back to what? Again, how, so how old would you have been? Two thousand seven. Twenty two. Twenty two years old. Um, what did USA Mexico mean to you at that time? Did you already know how much everybody hated each other? Can you take us back into what the uh, the, the the rivalry was like at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time I played against Mexico. Uh, I hadn't played against them at the at the youth level, so I, I hadn't really felt it firsthand. But of course, I knew it. I mean, as a as a fan of soccer, um, I mean, I'd watched the U.S. in two thousand two when they beat Mexico, uh, and I and I knew what that meant. I'd seen other games where you know Mexico had beat us, or we had beaten Mexico. Uh, I think it was a friendly in what was it? Uh, might have been two thousand seven actually. Earlier on, when Landon scored and Jimmy Conrad scored. Uh, so they're the two biggest teams in the region. And so it, unless you're oblivious to, you know, CONCACAF soccer, you know that it's a big, big moment. And then it's only bigger made by it's the finals. You know, it's mm-hmm. the finals. We're playing against Mexico. Everybody knows it's the two best teams. And, and so I knew going into it how big of a game it was. And actually, I think for me it was, it was a little bit of a weird feeling because I only started that game because Michael Bradley got a red card in the – in the semis against Canada. And so I probably wouldn't, I, I'm, I'm almost positive I wouldn't have started that game otherwise. And wow. so, um, you know, mentally being ready for it, I didn't have a very good first half and then kind of not know. Bob actually subbed someone on at halftime. Ricardo Clark came on and it was either going to be for me or Pablo Mastroeni. And I thought it was probably going to be me because I was a younger guy. I hadn't played that well. Um, you know, Bob put that faith in me to stay in the game and, it just it felt like I needed to do something. And so that, that moment kind of was built through the game, through the week, um, through halftime. And, and I think it all, you know, escalated, obviously, in the second half. But, um, you know, to answer your question, I knew about how important that game was and, and, and the rivalry, but I had never felt it firsthand. Okay, so how nervous were you going into that game? Being so young, you weren't supposed to start, or at least you think you weren't supposed to start, and then – after that first half, just what are some of the emotions going through your head at that point uh, uh, leading up to the game and then in the game as well? I can't really remember, you know, what my emotions were leading up to the game other than uh, you're excited. It's a final. You know, it's a big game. But I've never been someone that's too nervous, at, at least once the game starts. I, I forget about that stuff mm-hmm. right away. And so, yeah, there's there's some – butterflies in your stomach maybe the night before getting to sleep is a little bit harder it takes you a while to you know fall asleep uh but it it never was one of those moments where you know the moment felt too big for me in any way and uh you know I felt like I belonged I felt like uh I I could I could have an impact in the game and I wasn't just you know a player filling up a spot um so in that sense uh I've always had I think a good mentality of how to be prepared for a game and how to give my best during you know any game and so um, that wasn't any different in, in that stage. At 22 as well, that's, I mean, that's a, a, I mean, some would look at it as a burden, but I was having a look at the, the lineups going in. That Guardado, the, the goal scorer, and I think they had Sanchez, the goalkeeper. Yeah. And then what was the big center half that played for Barcelona? Marquez. Rafa Marquez. Mm-hmm. Their best player some was Neri really Castillo, though, at the time. He was. Very good footballers. Yeah, like in that really team. good footballers. Would that have been one of the best Mexico teams you played against? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of how many times I played Mexico. I don't think I played them that very often, but that was definitely, I think, peak Mexico. Mm-hmm. I mean, they there, there's some other guys. I think in 2011 they had a really good team when they beat us 4-2. Uh, 
They had, I mean, they had they had Giovanni DeSantos playing at a, at a really high level. They had, uh, I think it was Barrera that was playing at a really high level. So, I mean, Mexico's always going to produce players, but there's no doubt that they had some some big time players in 2007. Okay, so we got Benny Failhaber here. We've got the Gold Cup here. The Gold Cup is coming to Kansas City. This is a really rare opportunity to get to watch the national team three times because usually in the group stages they move to a different town every time. So you can see them on July 11th, July 15th, July 18th. You can buy single tickets. You can buy tickets to the whole thing. I got tickets for my family for the whole thing because, I mean, to me, you get a chance to watch the national team in your hometown and you get a chance to show FIFA – what kind of soccer community we have here. Hopefully they love the facilities and all that and give us a, a chance to host some World Cup games. Uh, we got the chance to talk to Gianluca Busio training today. He's on the provisional roster. I mean, it's like it's perfect to talk to you because you talk about being 22 years old and just starting your career. He's 19. He's already four years into his career. But this is his first sniff of the national team. He's only on the provisional roster right now. He wants to hopefully we'll get a chance to watch him here. Can you can you go back to like twenty two versus nineteen, where you were at nineteen versus where Busio is? You're one of the greatest number tens to ever play to ever come from America. What about Busio? And I know he's playing not just the number ten now, but just what about him in general? And where do you see him when it comes to relation to this national team and where his his star is headed? Yeah, I think. Well, here I'll give you a little story real quick of where his star is headed. I, I've been, you know, obviously at every game this year at home. And I'll sit up above, and I'll take a peek sometimes down at the fans, and you'll start seeing all the jerseys. And so there's a lot of 10 jerseys. And I'll look around, I'm like, Busio, Busio, Bu- no more Failhopper jerseys. So, <laughs> so it goes to show you where Busio is headed. But um, he's obviously playing at, at, at a really good level right now. I, I love talking with this kid at training. I mean, he's got you know such a mature mature outlook about him. Um, at only 19, and so he's playing, you know, the best soccer of his career right now. Um, I hope that he gets called into the final roster of, of Gold Cup. I think not only could he uh, make an impact, I think he could make a big impact. I think it could, um, you know, catapult him into a, a different level of confidence, and, and that's, how, that's how it works with players. I mean, you, you go step by step, and one of the biggest things that I got taught as a player is to never, never – maximize your potential not maximize never set a limit to your potential you think oh yeah i can get to this no really you can get to much higher than that right because once you get to that next level now you feel like oh i can i can get a little better than that i can even get a little bit higher than that and so with boost i think it's exactly that he's 19 he's playing at his highest level right now if he gets to the national team and he starts playing there and he realizes wow i'm 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 great at this level i can play with these guys his confidence goes up a little higher. His potential goes up. And so, I mean, the sky's the limit for the kid. I think he's playing really well. Uh, I love watching him every day. And, and it'd, be, it'd be great if he gets a chance with the national team. I think he'd do well. And let's not forget about uh, Tim Melia as well, though. I, yeah. I hope he gets awesome. a chance. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. We're going to get to that in a minute. Go ahead, Alan. But sticking with Busio, you said you could see him making a big impact. Where do you see him making that impact? Because he's a natural 10, but now he's playing a lot more at the 6th this season. If you had to just kind of look at – this national team and, and the potential Gold Cup roster, where does he fit in? First, I'll say that I don't know if he's a natural 10. I, I know that maybe that – I don't know if he loves hearing that, but I, I've seen him play at his best as the 6. Doesn't mean he can't play the 6, the 8, the 10. I mean, I played in different positions too. I played the 6 sometimes. I think for me the 10 was my best position. 
but I played the six. I played the eight sometimes. Uh, with the national team, with, with Bob Bradley, we played kind of uh, two sixes slash eights. Um, it just depends, I think, what the system is. And I think Busio is a guy that he has a growth mindset in terms of, look, play me in any position that I feel relatively comfortable. I'm going to continuously get better in that position. And so he's done wonders in the six for our system. Does that mean that's his best position on the national team? Not necessarily, but I just don't want to pigeonhole him as only a 10. Having said that, I think that, I mean, he, he if he gets called into the national team, it's, it's going to depend what players are there, what players are around him, whether he's coming off the bench, um, whether he's starting, in what moments he does come off the bench, whether we're winning or losing, tying what we need in the game. But I think he's a smart enough kid to kind of realize that in the moment, take what the coach is giving him, um, and, and, and kind of act on that. And so, um, again, I, I don't know what his best position in at what moment, but right now he's doing a, you know, a world-class job as a six for us. And, and in the national team, things could be the same or it could be different. All right, we're going to take a break. We have Benny Fellhaber with us. We want to talk about the Gold Cup again here. I'm, beautiful Easy thing. Though, dude. Bicep curl. Yeah. That was a one-handed <laughs> yeah. grab. Wow, how about that? Uh, it's a dad strength thing. I'm carrying around a 20-year-old kid all the time these days. So, 20-year-old? A 20-pound kid. Sorry, 20-year-old, and it feels like it sometimes. A 20-pound kid all the time, so that, that's like carrying that trophy. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to shift over to what Benny's up to now with Sporting Kansas City, talk about the games coming up as well. But don't forget, Gold Cup coming up. And get your tickets at SeatGeek.com. SportingKC.com has got all the details right there, and I'm really glad Benny brought it up. Tim Million, man, 35 years old. He's deserved to be on the national team radar for a long, long time. And I, I'll admit, I kind of thought that if he hadn't been called in by now, we weren't going to see it. So thrilled to see Tim on the provisional roster. Hopefully that means he's going to be on the roster as well. We'll take a break. Back after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you stream your video content as well. we got Vinny Failhaber in studio with us right now, along with Connor McCord and Allie Trost. And, uh, Benny, let's talk about you now for a minute with the team. Uh, you joined the, the staff uh, coming into this year. Tell everybody, kind of maybe fill everybody in on what you've been up to. And uh, this is your first foray into the, the coaching slash front office world uh, after your playing career. So uh, what, have, what have you been up to? What's the job been like? Well, the job's been awesome. You know, I think a lot of players – have a difficult time at the end of their careers being able to you know step out of the limelight so to speak and 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 take a job where you're not you're not there's no glitz and glamour it's more about giving than taking and so um for me I've really enjoyed it I think physically I was at the end and I couldn't do anymore and 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 I think I was much more prepared to you know give to this organization in another way rather than being a player anymore. And so um, it was it was the right moment for me, and, I, and, and I've been really excited about what I've done. And so uh, Peter's given me the opportunity to kind of really learn more than anything. And I think this first year for me has been about knowing how the organization works, first team, second team, academy, uh, the, the, the pro player pathway. And, and so with the first two, three months of the season, I was – you know, every minute of the day with the with the first team, um, with Peter and the assistant coaches, learning, uh, knowing what they go through, how they 
plan training sessions, training weeks, uh, how they plan for the games. Um, and, and over the last two months, I've been with the academy uh, for the most part, still going with the first team every once in a while to make sure that connection is still there. And, and, and I think that's what the academy coaches have always wanted to do. They, they go you know two, three times a week to kind of know what the first team's going through, what the training sessions look like, see also how the academy products are doing over there. And then in the afternoon, there's the academy session, the second team training, followed by the 19s, 17s, 15s, 14s, 13s, and 12s. And so you get to know these players. You get to know how the coaching staff works, the dynamics there. Um, it's been eye-opening for me. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think I've learned a lot. I've got to know a lot of new people, how they work from the coaching staff to the players down at the academy, um, the second team training staff with Paul Nagamura, uh, and, and the players that play on SKC too. So um, for me, it's been great. Uh, and, and, and now I think I really have a good vision of what Sporting Kansas City from the soccer perspective looks like. You say it's been a, a massive learning curve, and no doubt, I'm sure it has. The, is there anything that you've came across that maybe you viewed something differently as a player, but now you're a coach, you see it a bit different, and it kind of makes you think about how you would have viewed a certain situation as a player? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's been something that's been. Oh man, I can't believe I thought that way as a player. But I think there were so many things that you were ignorant to as a player. Mm. You didn't know how things worked. You know, f the only thing you focus as a player, and I think that's the way Peter likes it, is winning on the weekend. That's it. Get yourself prepared to give your best to win on the weekend, and that's what you did, and that's what I always did. You know, I focused on. What can I do to be at my best physically, mentally, uh, chemistry-wise with my teammates, um, so that I can perform at my highest, uh, you know, at my highest during the, the games of the weekend. Uh, now you, you're taking on so much more information. You, in order to give back to the organization and and make maybe not so much short term for the weekend, but more long term of like, hey, how can this player's uh, development continue how can I help it continue so that maybe in a year or two years he's signing a contract with the first team to become the next Busio or Jay Lindsay or Cam Duke or whatever you know and so I think there's a much more long-term thing now rather than the short vision of what it was like to be a player and so that's that's very eye-opening for me and, and and it's comforting to some extent because um, you don't allow the small things to deter you in any way and, and I think that's something that is hard. You know, as a player, it's like you want immediate, uh, you know, or, uh, immediate results, right? You want to do something and you want to see the results. And with that not being the case in, in the line of work that I think we're in as coaches and um, especially academy coaches, uh, you, you definitely have a little bit more patience, and I think that that's helped. So what does a typical game day now look like for Benny Philhaber? First team? So again, that's changed also. For the first two, three months, I was I was very uh, an active participant in that, right? So um, I'd come come in a bit early. Uh, I'd, I'd usually do my own workout so that you know you get some of that anxiety out of the way, uh, and then you're there probably you know three hours before the game. There's conversations with the coaches just to kind of make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be, and once. I would go out with with Carrie and Z and Ash to to set up you know the warm ups, 
And then once the game started, uh, me and Ash would uh, would go upstairs and kind of view the game from up there, and we could communicate with the coaches on the bench in case you know we see something tactically from up above. And so that that was my role at the time. And now I've been, you know, not an active participant over the last two three months, or I guess two months. And so I'm thankfully a little bit more like a fan now. You know, it's a little less anxiety and pressure, and I get to watch the game, and 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 you still make um, you know, observations, but less as a coach and more of, you know, as a fan. Does winning feel differently? Like, as a coach, from when you won as a player, coming off, obviously, the massive adrenaline and stuff, does it feel, I mean, I'm say, I, I'd imagine you would work with some of the midfield players in training, and then you go and watch them on yeah. a Saturday, and they're doing exactly what you just spoke about. Or Is it a different kind of sense of pride, I guess? Yeah, from I think, I think you're, you're spot on with, like, the question, I think, is basically the answer. I think there was things that you worked on with certain players that then you went into the game hoping like, I hope this guy, you know, is able to achieve what we worked on and improve what, you know, he, he was trying to improve on. And so that's in itself with not taking the result into account. That's something that you look forward to, uh, hoping to see that improvement in each player that, that you've tried to help. And then I think in terms of the result, it's, it's more similar to what a fan feels than what a player feels when a play up during the games you're not nervous at least i was never nervous as a player you know you're you're there you can make an impact on the game as a coach you really can't make an impact yeah maybe peter can make some changes and so he can have you know substitutions maybe tactical things so he has a little bit more hands-on but even him like you've done all your work hopefully during the week and now you kind of put it in the in the player's hands to go out and do the job and so there you you feel a little bit more you know, not hands-on. And so as a fan, you get – I mean, I remember the first game when I was watching the, the Red Bulls game up above. I mean, I went crazy when we scored, you know, those two goals back-to-back and, and took the lead and eventually won. And so it felt like I was watching, you know, a game for the first time in my life where it's like it was, <laughs> it was the coolest feeling in the world. And so it, it didn't necessarily match what I was as a player, but it's, uh, it's a special feeling, a little bit different feeling. So I have to say the idea that – these academy kids get to interact with Benny freaking Failhaber. Uh, shoot, my my son plays in the Sporting Blue Valley system way down the list. <laughs> like, and he's not even he's not he's not close to the academy level right now. Anyway, I'm sure he will be someday. <laughs> but 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 even he, you mentioned Luis Pacheco before. He came. Luis Pacheco came to my son's club team and did a session with him one time and talked about his experience playing Division One soccer and the things that, that you guys are trying to teach. What I think is incredibly cool is that all the different affiliates, whether it's Sporting Omaha, Sporting Wichita, Sporting Blue Valley, they're learning the principles of the game, the philosophies of the game. And I can sit there, and my son, now that he's finally going to 11 v 11, he's asking me questions now about the formation and the responsibilities of the players. What, what an unbelievable opportunity. Do you think... I mean, because when you're a kid, you don't understand history. I mean, 2007 to the academy kids, probably they were three years old right. or, or less. Do they, do they get it? Do they understand, like, hey, I've got a resource here and a guy that's played in Germany, that's played for the national team, that's, that's done all these things, and he could teach me how to approach this? Or, or are they kind of naive to – because it's not just you, Jimmy Nielsen, all these guys that are, that are working with the club. Do they, do they appreciate the resource that they have in you guys? Well, I think that in, in order for them to appreciate it, I think you have to be – you have to be engaging when you're there. I, th- I don't think they're going to be, oh, well, this guy scored a goal 20 years ago, and I never saw it, and I don't really care, and 
you know, well, I should be appreciative of that as a player. Well, I, I don't think that's how it works. I think, you know, what I've tried to do is come in there as if I'm absolutely nobody, right? And I have a knowledge of the game. I, I believe I have a knowledge of the game, and I believe I have something to, to offer the players. But if I'm just there, hey, my name is Benny Failhaber. I did this, this, and this. Let me know if you need some help. That's just not a good way of looking at it. I, I went there, and I'm like, I want to get to know these guys. I want to know what they're good at. I want to know what they need improvement on. Um, I want to connect with them on a personal level as a, as a person yeah. to a person. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, guys start to appreciate it. And if you start talking soccer and, and, and describing things that you see and, 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 you know, I've jumped in in training sessions with these guys and, and I've played with them. And so you, you start feeling, you know, what are some things that they're really good at? What are some things that, you know, they, they don't see as well and maybe you can help them with. And so, when you're in there with them, kind of, you know, it's not like I'm jumping in and I'm being a, a normal training session player. I, you know, I'm not a player anymore. But I think when they see that, the the, I think they give value to the things that you show importance to. And if you're showing importance to their development, that's when I think it comes back and they're like, I'm going to listen to this guy. This guy knows what he's talking about. He obviously cares. And and if he has something to say that that can improve me as a soccer player – then it's worth listening to. So actually, and, and Connell, to kind of go back to the question you asked Benny a second ago, um, I remember you telling me when you first started working with the first team too is that 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 uh, one of the things you realize being on the other side of it now is the coaches are actively rooting for everybody on the field. Even if they're screaming and yelling at you, when you're a player, you can have a tendency to think, man, this guy hates my guts, and that's not where it's coming from. Um Man, wouldn't it be nice to have that perspective back when you were playing, you know, to kind of get that a little bit? But that's a hard thing for most of us to understand, right? I would think that uh, – and, and it kind of struck me that even at the professional level, guys might fall into that every once in a while. Yeah, I, I think – look, I, I've compared it to parenting. So you're a yeah. parent. I don't know. You guys don't have kids. But, Nate, you have kids. Mm-hmm. You can't treat all your kids the same way. Why? Because they don't react to the same Because they're way. different. Yeah, they're different people. They have different yeah. personalities. If yep. you say the same thing to every single kid, I have three kids, you have three kids, you're not going to get the results that you want from <laughs> each. You might get it from one, but not yeah. from the other. Yeah. And so as a player, I always thought, like, why don't they just treat everybody the same? Like, they should just treat everybody the same. And now I realize, well, no. you got to treat people fairly but differently because everybody's different. And for you to get the best out of every single person, there has to be an understanding of who they are what they need and how to achieve you know the best and so i think that's one thing that i've learned that is monumental to being a good coach and and that is that everybody's different and you gotta you gotta know how to treat them to get the best best out of them okay so what got the best out of you as a player and who would you say on the current sporting <laughs> yeah, team you, is you, you can ask peter what got the best out of me he, okay. i'm sure he has the best answer for that i will most definitely be asking him that and two i believe his answer was the bench by the way back when i asked him he's like benny did not like being on the bench if you sat him there he would change his behavior i could tell i could tell you one thing that peter did with me every preseason was i was never on the starting team in preseason i was like what's going on i started every game last Oh, okay, now I'm on the bench. And then somehow in the first game I was starting again. So he always did that to me. Okay, so who on the current roster is similar then, or most similar to like how you were as a player as far as motivations go? And and Maybe Johnny. Johnny's a little bit like that. I mean, Johnny Johnny wants to start every game, you know, and so I think there could be something there where if you, Johnny, you're going to be on the bench this game, well, he's going to be that much more of a, whatever it is that you want to put in there in training to prove it that he deserves to be back on the lineup. So 
I think Johnny's got some similarities to, you know, my mentality. So when you came through originally, I mean, the, the world's a very different place now than it was when you were coming through as a young soccer player. Do you see a difference in yourself coming through and the kids that are coming through now? Because, I mean, obviously not like, not the hazing or anything went on, but I think back in the day you kind of had to work a bit harder to get the appreciation of the first team and stuff. But with kids coming through now, it seems that, not that it sort of went completely out of the game, but it's a different society that we live in now. Just as you were saying, you have to treat everyone kind of different to get the best out of them. Yeah. Do you notice any differences or similarities from when you were coming through? Uh I mean, I think the biggest difference for me isn't necessarily like the kids' attitudes. It's more just the process of becoming a pro these days. It's there. There were no academies when I grew up. Right. It was you played for fun. You paid to play, actually, unless I mean you had you know scholarships or something like that. In terms of even at the club level, uh, you know, if, if if you weren't wealthy enough to to pay for you know whatever. I think it, I mean it used to be. I don't know exactly. I could ask my parents, but couple grand sometimes a year right to play soccer oh, yeah. it wasn't not cheap plus oh, travel cheap. and everything <laughs> right. i mean and so parents Trust paid for me. everything and so it was mostly about and you train twice yeah. a week right twice a week and you played games on the weekend and that's what growing up was for me in terms of playing soccer whereas now these kids train in a professional environment for five days a week and you have a game at the end of the weekend on the weekend and so it is essentially the same schedule as a as a pro and i think that's the biggest difference and so there's obviously positives and negatives to everything, and I think the biggest positive is you get to develop into that professional at a much higher rate than you would otherwise. But at the same time, it there's pressure there, right? For me, I never felt pressure with with playing with Irvine Strikers. I never felt pressure playing there. I, I, I loved playing there. I knew I was one of the better players on my team. I didn't feel like I needed to prove anything in terms of like, hey, I can't I can't be cut from the team at the end of the year. Whereas now, guys, they, I mean, they're jumping from year to year, and they got to make sure they do well enough, they, they, they play well enough to stay in that academy so that their goal to eventually become a professional, you know, continues. And so there's, there's a little bit of extra pressure in a kid, and, and there's positives and negatives to that, but I think that's the reality that we live in. And um, it's, it's, it's something that, that provides a real pathway to become a pro. But for some kids, it's maybe a mental grind that, you know, that, that they're not going to become pros and it, and it kind of hurts them in terms of, like, just enjoying the game a little bit as well. So, I mean, and that's why I, I like to point out the whole concept of the French midfield right now where you got a couple of guys that were playing for the biggest clubs in the world when they were 17 years old and maybe the best one out of those midfielders at 21 was in the third division in France. Right. You know, everybody's got a different path yeah. and, and a different pace at which they, they, they get where they're going. All right, Benny, can we keep you for one more segment, just like five more minutes so yep. we can talk about these games coming up? We're going to take a break. Two of Benny's former clubs are coming to town, Colorado and LAFC. We'll break those teams down as we come back with the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Also where you'll be able to hear Sporting KC versus Colorado Rapids at 7.30 on Wednesday night and then Sporting KC versus LAFC on Saturday afternoon at 4.30. And we got Benny here. Perfect. You get to talk about both these teams you know. Uh, look, there's some sim- there's still some players from that Rapids team that you played on on this team, but with Robin Frazier, new coach, new system, he seems to have them flying. They've won four out of their last five. What 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 stands out to you about this Rapids team right now? I mean, they got a lot of players that I played with over there, um, and I think 
the year that I went there, they started building a new team. They they hadn't been the best team. Even the year that they they did well with Mastrani as the coach was a much more defensive team, organized defensively, but not great going forward and just kind of opportunistic. They started building some players. Obviously, they have a couple guys that, that came from here. I mean, they have Diego Rubio. They picked up, uh, you know, Kellen Acosta, Keegan Rosenberry, uh, Shin Yashiki. So they Barrios have, they've added. They've added Barrios. I mean, they have Jonathan Lewis. So, they, yeah. I mean, they have some players on that team that kind of came in around that time, and the team hadn't fully developed. And with Robin Frazier, he's been able to kind of get them all focused and playing as a unit, and they're a dangerous team. I mean, right now they're one of the best teams in the league. Um, I think I think Diego's playing really well up top. I think that they have they still have Jack Price being probably the most dangerous set piece taker in the league. Really? Yeah, wow. I think I think he's unbelievable. I mean, he is so consistent with where he puts the ball. So we we got to make sure we look out for not giving too many fouls along the game because that's that's one of their their big dangers. Even without a Kai Kamara or, or big boys that they they used to have, they're still dangerous in in, in those aspects. And and they've solidified their their defense a little bit as well. And so it's, it should be a really good test for us. I think we've been playing really well as well since probably the, the game that we beat against, uh, we beat Austin at home, you know, two, mm-hmm. two Austins ago. Um, we've been playing really well for, for, you know, whatever it's been a month, two months. Uh, and so it should be a good game. I think we got unlucky against Portland. We should, we, we probably deserve more than, than what we got in that game. And I think if we continue at the pace that we're playing in terms of, quality that we're providing the opportunities that we're creating then then we should get something out of this game but obviously Colorado is a, is a, is a tough team right now well you mentioned Diego Rubio coming to play against his former club right. always some motivation there for different players but I, I think anyone who who remembers Rubio from his playing days here he's a fiery guy yes, like he, he gets really fired up so a little bit too much sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but what do you expect you know maybe at an even greater level in this game from him, just given that extra motivation going up against a former club. Yeah, it's tough to say. I think, like you said, you're spot on with Diego. He's very um, – he's hot-headed. I mean, really. Like, he's going to be motivated, but at the same time he's hot-headed, and that can go one of two ways. Either it motivates him and he plays really well, or he can lose his head a little bit and, and you know, cause something negative for his team. And so, um, you know, we want to try and – we want to try and uh, – frustrate him not give him too many opportunities and and obviously I think I think with the way we're playing right now I think we can do that I mean we've we've been holding on to possession we've been able to play around the initial pressure of other teams and so if we're able to do that with Fonte and Ilya playing at a really high level right now then then he will get frustrated and so I think that's the goal um for 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 us in in terms of him and so uh, but he's going to come to play. You know, Diego's got his qualities. He's going to get his opportunities. He's going to get chances to, you know, he's going to be flailing around sometimes, causing, you know, the ref to try and blow his whistle, yellow cards. I mean, he, do- he does whatever it takes, uh, and sometimes a little bit more. So we'll be ready for that game. Do you ever remember that, like, dynamic in your career? Uh, like, uh, maybe you've left a team and then going back to play and saying, kind of thinking, I'll show you. Yeah, of course. Here, more than more than anything. I mean, so that was LAFC then coming back. When here? I came with LAFC, I mean, the places that you loved the most to play for are the places that you want to go and stick it the most. I mean, that's just the reality, right? So my time here in Kansas City has been so special as a player. When I went to LAFC, I wanted nothing more than coming back and and scoring and winning in front of the cauldron. And I know it's like it's like that competitive juice, and I think they appreciate that. Um, but. But at the same time, it's it's just it's just part of who you are. If you're not competitive, that's probably um, 
you know, you're gonna you're gonna struggle sometimes throughout this career, and so uh, I'm sure Diego is gonna have that, and and I can totally relate to that, and so. Um, even that, that last game that we played against Sporting Kansas City when I was with LAFC, last game of the year where whoever won would be first in the Western Conference. I mean, I remember almost overdoing it in terms of like wanting to do everything, you know, going for tackles, sliding, trying to get to the end of things. And um, I don't even think I played a great game, but I was very energetic and I tried to do everything I could. But sometimes it takes you out of the game as well. And so we'll see, you know, how Diego reacts. But obviously we got to focus on ourselves. And I think the way we're playing, um, you know, that, that's what, that's all we can, we can really ask for of our players. And, and, and hopefully it's enough, uh, you know, against a really good Colorado team. That was a big day for me, by the way, as well, because, uh, my son, Benny got a picture with you after the game down on the, uh, on, at the field club, two Bennies, you know, which was great, but also Will Farrell got to take a picture with oh, me. Yeah, that uh, was I think big that you took that him. picture, Connell. Yeah, it was big for Will. You know, he got, he got to meet the voice of the sport in Kansas city, you know, yeah, so he had been a, asking me about yeah. that for a while. <laughs> it was, I, I heard it was on his bucket list. By um, the way, the, the only reason I had the guts whatsoever to do it was because Tyler Freeman was sitting in the booth and asked me to take a picture of the two of them together. And so since I was taking the picture, Connell was brave enough to walk over and say, hey, you want to get one with Mr. Farrell? And got me, because I was Mr. too. Mr. Farrell. Yeah, I was too, <laughs> I was too, uh, I didn't have the guts to do it. So thanks to Connell, you know, I got my picture with uh, Ron Burgundy. So that was great. That was a hell uh, of a game, too. Oh, yeah. man, it was Isn't incredible. That, when, that was Roger. Didn't he score in that game? He scored that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he kept, Roger kept asking me, he's like, hey, you're running all over the place. You never used to do that here. I'm like, yeah. Well, when I play with you, you never scored bangers like that either. So. Everybody was out of character for that game. Uh, l- let's talk about this LAFC team, though, because, well, like right when they hit the ground, you were with the team, Bob Bradley doing this amazing job. Um, they've, hit, they've hit a little bit of a rough patch here last year, and it's off to a, a tough start this year. Um, I was asked by Petro earlier this year who's the best team in the West, and I said LAFC, even though they were off to a bad start. And if Vela plays, I'd, I wouldn't be stunned if, if, they, uh, if they got to that. But what, what do you think? What, what do you think of the struggles? Has it surprised you at all what they've been going through lately? Yes, it surprised me because they do have a lot of really quality players. But at the same time, man, I mean, you just go back and say the same thing over and over. MLS is a tough league. Yeah. And if you're not fully committed every single player and in, in a good form and everything like that, you're going to have dips. And I think LAFC – is struggling a little bit because of, they, I mean, some of their changes in, in the back. Honestly, not just Walker Zimmerman that they lost a year ago, but, you know, it used to be Stephen Betashore, it used to be Jordan Harvey, guys that are veterans of the league that know the, the league inside and out. So there's that period of learning the league. You know, Palacios is a good player, but he's only been in the league for two years. Uh, uh, on the right side, they, they had Andy Nahar for a while. Now they have... Um, is Farfan playing right now? I have not done my spotting board for LAFC yet. Recently so, for them yeah. over there, uh, and obviously in the middle, they've they've also had their issues with Segura Murillo every once in a while. Um, and then you know last year Carlos Vela got injured and he was out for a long time, and I feel like he hasn't gotten back to the form that yeah. he used to be. And even now that he's been healthy, you know, so to speak. I mean, he he was injured, came back, and now he's back. And but anyways, he's not at that form that he was in in 2000. What was it? 2019, I believe yeah. it was. Yep. Um, and so, really, the one real constant that's been good always is Diego Rossi. Even Atuesta isn't playing at the same level. Atuesta, Mark Anthony K, Latif's not playing every game from the start. Sometimes they're playing Cifuentes. And so, I think there's just been a little bit of, you know, how do we get back to where we were in LA, LAFC's brain? 
right now. Um, and I'm sure Bob is going through that process right now, trying to figure out, you know, how do we get back to, to, to our best? But they're not there right now. And obviously, in, in MLS, when you're not at your best, you, you tend to struggle. Well, Benny, this is uh, this has been awesome, man. We really appreciate all the time uh, from talking Gold Cup to talking about your your current role with the team and and the games coming up. It's going to be a great week. And Hot Guys United. Summer. And I Hot mean, Guys United as well. Important. I mean, we yeah. started the weekend, yeah. you know, with a bang. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So big opportunity to get Friday night Hot Guys United again. I'm not going to be there because I'll be emceeing a charity event at Children's Mercy Park, by the way. So you guys are going to have to find a number six. And uh, a number 10, or oh, whatever man. I played. I don't know what I played. Oh, boy. Well, we You're started the game with seven really? players. Yeah, next he team, was so. the 6, 8, and 10 to start the game. But, <laughs> the uh, are, are, are women allowed to play? I It's hot guys united, Ali, so I'll have to file a, a you know, a, a, we'll have to ask what the what the legalities are on that. I don't know. It, but you did say it was hot, guys, <laughs> and we do allow you to play, Nate, so... Of course, there, there's Seems some like subjectivity there's there. Room, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that speaks for itself, sir. Uh, I didn't come up with the name. Uh, that's <laughs> that's gonna do it for us. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for downloading the podcast. Thanks for watching the video. Thanks to Benny Failhaber. We will see you Wednesday night again. Children's Mercy Park sporting against Colorado Rapids, and of course next week right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra.